I always ask my wife when she goes, I'm like, what's, what's wrong? And I'm just breathing. No, 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 no. <laughs> you you letting something out. I can hear it. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to, to let that out because you don't want to hold on to it. Okay. Holding on to stress can kill you. It can give you migraines, ulcers, high blood pressure. Let that go. Just takes a little effort, we can work it out. These things go hand in hand, know what I'm talking about. But can we have one without the other, one without the other, yeah. One without the other, one without the other, yeah. We made it through the test. Strengthening love and sex. What's going on, everybody? It's the Spencers, and we are back. It's been a it's been a little while. We took a little break, had to take care of some important family issues, but we are here today, and we are excited to share on this next episode about communication. And we want to ask a question, baby. You know what it is? What's the question? What kind of dog are you? A dog? Bow wow, yo, yippee yay, yippee yay. Sound of a dog, bring it to another day. <laughs> no, that was Snoop Doggy. Oh, okay. Um, so, <laughs> so actually, we want to talk to you about how you show up as a couple when you have a disagreement, okay, or when there's conflict to be resolved. And we have a tendency of emoting uh, as dogs, and mm. so I'm going to explain that to you a little later. But we are so glad you're here tonight, and. Um, the scripture that we want to use to start this conversation tonight comes from Philippians 3 and 2, where it says, watch out for those people who behave like dogs. See, I told you. Okay. Watch out for those people who behave like dogs. Now, Paul, to be fair, is talking about some people in the church, in the early church in Philippi, who were trying to hate on the early Christians and saying, look, if y'all really want to be legit Jewish people, you need to be circumcised. Okay. And Paul said, I wish y'all were going to cut yourselves off, you mutilators of the flesh, trying to cut in on the freedom of these new Christians. I think there's a lot of people who feel like those early Christians in Philippi in the sense that you have these religious people imposing restrictions on people's sexuality. Okay. There's all these rules and regulations as it relates to what you can and what you can't do. Uh, but Paul says, watch out for people who act like dogs. And it's interesting that he would say that because in my reading, I found out that sometimes when we try to resolve conflict, we show up as five different kinds of dogs. There's also a scripture, one of your favorite scriptures has come from 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 as relates to arguments. Can you talk about that? Yes, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. To me, what stands out in that mm. is being able to take captive every thought, negative thought, every negative thought, which everything starts in the mind. The battlefield of the mind can be either good or bad. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that we take captive of our thoughts. Yeah. You know, as you talk about arguments, an argument starts in your head. Mm hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Before you get into an argument or conflict with your spouse or your significant other, that argument starts in your head and you're triggered by something they say or something that happens. And a lot of times what 
you're angry about is not really what you're angry about. Okay. And if you could take captive those negative thoughts, you can circumvent an argument. So we're going to get into that tonight. And if you've ever been in a relationship, you know you're going to have disagreements. I remember this pastor saying once that he and his wife had never gotten in an argument. I found that extremely hard to believe. Okay. They renamed it then. They must have renamed it. <laughs> because everybody is going to have some disagreements, but you can have a disagreement without being disagreeable. Okay. How? We're going to talk about that. I was, I was in yoga class the other day, and my yogi, she said that you've got to introduce enough stress in your practice to encourage progress. Okay, enough stress. Enough stress to encourage progress. If you don't introduce enough stress in your practice, you become stagnant. And so it, so the same in life or in your relationship, if you want your relationship to grow, you have to be in your learning zone. Okay. And, and all of you out there have a learning zone that stretches you out of your comfort zone. And the only way for you to grow is to introduce a little bit more challenge than you're used to, but not too much to where you're stressed out. Y'all follow me? There's four quadrants. <laughs> There's four quadrants, Ron, okay. that are within your learning zone. And the first one is contentment. What do you think about when you think about contentment in a relationship? When I think about contentment in a relationship, I'm thinking about just being um, at peace. Yeah. Um, just satisfied with how everything is going, or the communication is good, uh, that things are well. You, there's relaxation, there's pleasure, there's enjoyment. You're in a good space. And we all love it when we're in that good space in our relationship. You like being around your person. I tell my wife all the time, you know, I like you and I love you today. And that's a great combination when you're in a place of liking and loving your spouse. We call that contentment. The other side of that, that axis of satisfaction, of sexual happiness, is excitement. Babe, do you get excited when I come home? Of course I do. My hands start sweating. Say what? Yes, I start extra saliva. Like okay. get a little moist. Yeah, I get a little moist. <laughs> <laughs> Contentment and excitement lead to sexual happiness. That's on the axis of happiness. If you want sexual happiness in life, you've got to be on the axis where you you're content, you're you're relaxed, you're you're, you're experiencing pleasure, enjoyment, and you're excited about the other. You're roused. You have a desire and a passion for your spouse. Now, also in this quadrant are two other things that are on the opposite axis and yes. that's apathy and fear. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. On the opposite side of contentment is apathy. Now, if someone is apathetic, meaning that they may have some, be experienced some boredom where things are kind of like stalemated, um, where they're kind of disassociated with mm. their special person uh, and they're not really engaging. Mm. That's what I think about with apathy. And then fear is the opposite end of that. And fear is when people are experience hyper arousal. They're, they're not aroused. It's the opposite of being aroused. There's agitation, there's distress. So whenever there's fear or apathy introduced into a, a relationship, it triggers the sympathetic nervous system and your heart increases, your mouth gets dry, you, you, you focus on one thing, you can't, you lose focus of things around you. But whereas when you're content and excited, your parasympathetic kicks in 
and your breathing is regulated, your heartbeat slows down, you're conscious of your surroundings and you're grounded. And and also that you have a better awareness of self. Yeah. I think with with the apathy and with the fear, those things that keep you calm in your frontal cortex of your brain, uh, that puts you into a fight or flight uh arrangement in your head where you're thinking, oh, I've got to do something about this. So we we want to help you grow in terms of how you communicate and how you show up. And there's an analogy in a book that I was reading on um, sexual happiness. And the author was talking about how we need to think of dogs and how they express fear, stress, distress and anxiety. Different dogs, if you've ever seen different dogs, they react differently to what? Excitement or, or stimuli. Stimuli, exactly. Or if they feel threatened, um, they react differently. I, I hate it when people have dogs and dog starts barking and say, oh, it's all right. He won't bite. I see his teeth. <laughs> you know, I, I remember jogging around the neighborhood once and the ladies, a uh, rock wallet got out. He had an electrical um, collar. collar and... Uh, he would only go to the edge of the fence. But this particular day, he was out in the middle of the street. His head was big as my body. And he was barking and showing his teeth. And I, my heart leaped in my chest. I said, get back, get back. I ran to the house, got in my truck, and I drove up to the lady's house, blew the horn. I said, your dog was out in the street. She said, it's OK. Just say, Orville, sit. And I said, Orville, get ready to get hurt. <laughs> because his teeth were showing. He looked like he wanted to bite me. And that's what sometimes we show up as dogs who want to bite or fight. Mm. Can you give an example? I think when there's a heated debate, we're going to call that an argument, a heated debate when that's going on. And sometimes we're not really thinking to listen to the other person to get to understand what they're saying or putting your, your putting the shoes on that they're wearing, Mm. you know, Mm. taking ownership. Then we sometimes tend to listen to respond and those types of responses Mm. could come off as showing our teeth because then the other person becomes defensive and their guards go up and so there's just this jab going back and forth of this sparring match that really shouldn't be taking place when you use i statements in a relationship when you say stuff like no no you statements when you're like you always do this you do this you and it's like immediately that person's defenses come up like, whoa, 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 what do you mean you? Mm-hmm. But when you use I statements, mm-hmm. okay, let's let's see if we can make this plain for our listeners. Okay. You always leave stuff in the middle of the floor. How's that person gonna respond? Negatively, how would they respond? So you're thinking that I always leave stuff in the floor. So oh, I, I leave stuff in the floor. So you're agitated by me leaving stuff in the floor? Why are you mad? You mad? You big mad. Whereas if I said something like this, babe, I would love it if you could help me keep our room together. It makes me feel so much better when our room is in order and those clothes on the floor cause me anxiety. Is there any way you could help me out with that? Is and that, that, that comes that, off a whole lot better than you always leave right, something on the floor, right, right. which puts that person in a defense mode. In fight mode. It, yes. So the first way you show up is as an angry dog. That's 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 typical when you feel attacked, right? 
but it's not a healthy way to respond all the time. Number two, the second way is what? It's flight. Many times if someone is like over, they're in sensory overload and they just can't find the words or the correct words, then some people just leave, mm. whether that's going, get in their car, go around the corner or going to the mall or just, just physically moving their body away from their spouse. Have you ever seen a dog life. do that? Oh, absolutely. When a, when a dog gets <sighs> fearful and they're timid, then they tend to, to run away. If they're, if they're afraid of what's coming next or of what they may do next, then that, that dog runs away. So in the first instance, the dog is in fight mode. He wants to bark and make himself look big. But in flight mode, the dog makes itself look little and runs away because the dog feels like, I can't stand up to this. Mm -hmm. I need to leave. And sometimes we do that in our relationship. As opposed to staying still, being emotionally present, we choose to walk away and to go and to take flight. That's the second way. Third way is to appease. Have you ever seen a dog um, when, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to tell the dog to do something and the dog just, he, he starts wagging his tail and he rolls on his belly and he wants you to rub his belly or scratch him behind the ear. We call that a pease. Okay. That dog wants to show, I'm not a threat to you. Mm. Just love on me. I, I'm not going to bother you. Don't, don't hurt me. I just rub my belly. And, and so how do we, how do you, how do people, how do human beings uh, reflect this behavior of the appeased dog? How, how does that show up in the relationship? I think that humans may constantly do something that may hurt the other person, will hurt that person, but they do it because they don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. Mm -hmm. So whether that's, I don't know if it could be financial, emotional, physical, that they may do something consistently like saying like, hey, I'm not a threat, although this is probably not what I want, I'm going to give in. Or it could be sexual too, right? Like, you know, your spouse, y'all got this conflict hanging, some unresolved conflict, and the person approaches, the husband approaches the wife, and he's like, hey, babe, can I have some sex tonight? Can I make love to you? And she's not thinking love in her head because she's agitated, she's fearful, and she's like, okay. Because in her mind, she's thinking, my husband needs sex. I want to give him sex, but I'm really not into it. So she just goes through, she lays on her back and lets him go ahead and penetrate. But her heart is not, she's not full hearted with the activity. Could that be a form of appeasing? Oh, definitely. I think that actually could be a form of appeasing. But the person's really not being true to their feelings. They're not, mm -hmm. they're not owning their feelings. And, and the lovemaking is really not. It's as, a band-aid. It's, it's, it's a band-aid and it's not, it's not really connecting. Mm -mm. You're there physically, but you're not there emotionally. And I think lovemaking and sex is so much better on their sexual axis when there is contentment and when there's excitement. But when there's fear and agitation, you could still have sex, but it not mean anything. There's no real connection. You don't get the serotonin release you need because chances are one of the one of the people in that union is apathetic or disassociated. She may be laying there thinking about, I'm going to get up and wash these dishes when I get up or I'm going to go clean the room up. Uh, I hope he heard gets finished so I can go on and do what I want, really want to do. And that sucks for both of them. Or even worse, whoever that spouse is that's giving into this sexual act could be like, oh, 
is adding something else on extra agitation onto it. Like, how can he not think about what's going on with us and all he's thinking about is sex? Mm -hmm. So that could add to that agitation. Yeah. So communi honest communication is the key to take captive every negative thought, right? To take captive every negative thought. So whatever dialogue you're having in your head, your spouse deserves to be able to hear that dialogue when you speak truth and love. But let's give you the next two. The, the fourth one is freeze. Now, what, what happens when a dog freezes, babe? Exactly that. They don't move. It's like if they're in motion, if there's a leg is up, uh, then they stay frozen in that position. Their eye, you see the whites of their eyes. Um, they're just frozen in that space because they don't know whether to, you know, to run, to to stay, to show their teeth. So all those emotions may be going on, and they just this, they just have this. The body takes over where they just freeze. I've seen dogs that's been that have been abused before, and you if you talk loud. Or if you make a gesture toward them, they freeze as if I remember this, mm. right? They're triggered. They they get traumatized. They just freeze, um, and and we call it. Uh, I forgot what we called him when the dog was gun shy or something like that. He or he's been whipped or abused. He freezes or she freezes. And the same thing happens with humans when we have experienced the trauma of 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 domestic abuse or parents or sexual abuse sometimes we just freeze and we don't know what to do i was watching a TikTok uh where this woman was getting upset in a relationship and her husband was like ah oh, we ain't gonna do that no we ain't gonna do that today and we all know little non-verbal cues that we get from our spouses when they're upset whether it's a wrinkled up forehead or the nose gets big and you're like oh no i, I don't want to do this and i think an unhealthy response well maybe it could be healthy it could be healthy that you freeze because you want to taste your words. You want to think about what you're getting ready to say, but you don't want to stay froze. Mm. Because to stay froze is not going to resolve the issue. To just freeze up and not be able to say what you need to say is not good. But that's one way of dealing with it. What's the last one? The last one is to disso dissociate. If a dog has to endure a terrible situation, it goes limp, it shuts down, and it collapses. Then that's what a dog does disassociating as a human would be to not communicate, to stonewall, uh, to give up, um, to think that your voice doesn't matter and you're just going to not say anything. Yeah, yeah. The reactions an anxious dog has are the same ones that we have. And just like dogs, we all have different temperaments and experiences and different habitual autonomic nervous system reactions. The thing that we have to take control of is how we show up in the room. I, I, I never will forget somebody told me, no matter how mad somebody makes you, don't ever show up inauthentic. Always show up as your true self. Uh, I like what James Brown said. You're not going to make me come out myself. <laughs> and, and that's what you got to keep telling yourself. And to be self-aware of how you generally show up is so key to recognize how you're showing up. Some of us don't realize we're frowning up or we don't realize we're attacking and raising our voices because it, we may be so accustomed to being reactionary that we don't have control of how we show up. But the more mature and more emotionally intelligent you become, 
you are able to recognize, oh my God, I'm I'm anxious right now. I'm angry right now. Can you name the emotion that you're feeling so that you show up in an authentic way? And when we sense danger, there are many instantaneous physical effects. Some of these same effects can be replicated consciously, effects that happen unconsciously yet can be controlled by the conscious mind. But are you conscious though? Can, can you take captive those subconscious thoughts and, and reason within yourself and like, calm down, breathe. We want to give you some, we want to give you some exercises now. We call these portals, these portals. There, there are different portals whereby you can access your, con- your subconscious thoughts and bring yourself back to reality so that you won't overreact mm-hmm. to certain stimuli. And the portal is an acronym for these following things. Baby, give them the P. The P is for pelvic floor. So the pelvic floor, we know that if a female and man, if you squeeze and release the muscles of your pelvic floor, um, that squeezing and releasing again, that focusing on the anus and the urethra, the vagina and the penis area, that brings you back into awareness. I don't know if y'all can see my hands. I'm demonstrating with my hands, but actually. (laughs) (laughs) She's squeezing, she's squeezing. So you have to like be aware to squeeze your pelvic floor. That's just not an automatic response. It's an automatic response sometimes when you are threatened. When you're threatened because your angry, whole body tenses you, You've up. heard people say, uh-oh, they booty tight. Yes, because your whole body tenses. It starts though in the pelvic area. And the reason we can enjoy sometimes sex is because that pelvic floor is so tight. And so we got to learn how to breathe deeply. When you breathe in, it causes your heart to accelerate. But when you breathe out, it slows the heart down. And the more you concentrate on your breathing and breathe into your penis, breathe into your vagina, loosen that sphincter muscle, it begins to relax your whole body. So you gotta learn how to relax your pelvic floor and yoga is really good for that. The O is for open, open and close your eyes. Why is that? Because when you are triggered and your sympathetic nervous system kicks into place, you you only focus on one thing because you feel like you're threatened, you're in danger. You lose focus on the things around you and your pupils, they they become constricted. But when you relax or you're sexually aroused, your pupils actually dilate. So the opening and closing of the eyes reminds your subconscious that we're OK. Everything is fine. We're not in any danger. So the blinking of the eyes, the opening and the closing of the eyes actually calms you down. So try that exercise, even where you are right now. If you're if you're driving, don't do it. But if you're <laughs> if you're at home right now, uh, just take a deep breath and open and close your eyes. And when you're in a in a disagreement with your spouse, blink your eyes slowly and just remind yourself, I'm okay, I'm present. Instead of just staring like you want to cut a hole through them with your laser beam, super powered, Superman eyes. <laughs> What's the T for, babe? No, the R is for reduced breath. Okay. So we need, we always had given you examples on how to breathe slowly and to breathe less. So meaning taking in deep breaths and exhaling. So we need to inhale and exhale again. 
And all of these, these letters in this acronym, a portal, means to just be self-aware. It's helping you to become self-aware. Let's practice that right now. I mean, wherever you are, some of you might have had a stressful day. You might have had something that didn't go right. Can you take a deep breath? And when you breathe in and you let that out, that relaxes you, reminds you everything is going to be all right. You're okay. Be present. When you have rapid, shallow breath, mm -hmm. it's telling your body you're in danger. Run, fight. But when you breathe in and you relax, your parasympathetic kicks in and says, it's okay. We're going to be okay. So that's P is for pelvic floor. O is for open and close your eyes. R is for reduced breath. T is for toes. What in the world? Wiggling your toes and fingers. Why is that? Because when you're angry, what do you what do you tend to do? You're, you clench up your fists and your feet feel like they're ready to run. And so all of that extra energy that's in your extremities, you have to shake it out. Open and close. You know, come on, practice that real quick. Shake your hands, shake your hands, shake your feet, wiggle your hands and feet. Ron, when I'm in yoga, I wish you would, my wife doesn't like yoga because she don't like to hear people breathing. <laughs> We're going to explain it. Explain it right. Go ahead. It's the it's the inconsistency of everyone breathing. It, it messes with me, so it stresses me out. So yoga's not for me, but I'm glad it's for my husband. <laughs> so when, I'm, when we get to that place, that final place of relaxation at the end of class, we lay still on our backs and my, my, my yogi, she says, okay, now bring awareness back to your body by wiggling your hands and wiggling your feet. Y'all, I ain't gonna lie, sometimes I'm so relaxed, I fall asleep and I don't want to get up and I slowly have to move those hands and feet to bring awareness. It's important that when you feel stressed and you feel like, you know, you're clenched up, you got to shake that out. Shake your hands and feet so you can relax. What's the A for? The A is for... Hmm. Ah, oh. so it's just a sound. Ah, oh. yeah. And and when you scrunch up your face, you open your mouth and you let the breath out, and you actually can feel it in your back where you're relieving some additional tension that you've been carrying. So that ah, oh, feeling you know just across the chest, your back that helps open you up as well. Yeah, I always ask my wife when she goes, I'm like, what's, what's wrong? And I'm just breathing. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you're letting something out. I can hear it. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to, to let that out because you don't want to hold on to it. Okay. Holding on to stress can kill you. It can give you migraines, ulcers, high blood pressure. <sighs> let that go. L is for what? Is to look and listen. Mm. Name five specific things in your environment. Why do we do that? Because you want to bring yourself back to awareness. When you're upset, like I said, you narrow in your focus on one thing and you lose reality, lose connection to reality that I'm okay. So you need to practice this. Even now, you can listen to five things. Look around you and listen. Name five things you hear. It might be the hum of lights. Mm -hmm. It might be your kid in the kitchen uh, put some more food in the microwave. The telephone ringing. <laughs> the telephone ringing, the dryer going. What do you hear? Because it grounds you back to where you are. To be present in that moment. 
uh, and not locked into false fear. And, and many times fear is nothing more than false evidence appearing real. Bring yourself back by listening. The last one is S for saliva. When you get upset, your parasympath your sympathetic nervous system kicks in, your mouth gets dry. And I want you to swallow, produce some saliva so you can communicate to your body, we're not in danger, we're okay. Uh, and so that's the portals, right? Mm -hmm. The portals are ways for you to bring yourself back into consciousness, to be present, not to be reactionary, to be emotionally present in a good way. And so we want you guys to identify what kind of dog are you? What kind of dog are you? Are you the fight dog? Are you the flight dog? You run instead of staying present? Are you the appeasing dog? You just give in just to get along? Are you the uh, disassociated dog that just freezes? Uh, and then I'm leaving out one. You added disassociate and freeze. Both, they're different. Freeze is when you just freeze. Disassociation is when you just pull all the way out, you know? And so we want you to have, to get on the axis of sexual happiness. Baby, what is the axis for sexual happiness? Again? The, the It's the contentment uh -huh. and the excitement. You want to get to a place where both of y'all are relaxed. Because when you're relaxed, that's when orgasms happen. When you're relaxed, that's when you enjoy the erogenous zones and kissing on your neck and your wife opens up and she wants you to come inside of her. She wants you to kiss her on the neck. She wants you to kiss her on the breast. But if she's agitated, if she's angry, she's going to be clenched up. You're going to be clenched up. Nobody wants to be romantic or erotic when you're mad. Uh -uh. <laughs> so you have to get back to that place of contentment. And again, that goes back to Rhonda's scripture. Take captive every negative thought and speak truth and love and be present. Anything else you want to say to the couples tonight about what we've talked about with communication? Now, knowing that if you identify with one of the five dogs that we talked about on tonight, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to be bad. As long as you can communicate with your spouse what's going on, communication is the key. I can't stress that enough. If you're feeling anxious or angry, mm -hmm. or even if you feel like that you want to take flight, then be able to have that much awareness of your own self or you can communicate that with your spouse and vice versa, because when you both are communicating, you're both on the same page, then it not only makes the love making better. That's the cherry on top. It makes the entire house better. Amen. Your children, your it makes everybody better. Amen. So we want you all to get better together. Right. And we believe that you can experience sexual happiness in your life as you practice these communication tools we gave you tonight. Listen, we also want to remind you, we have eight rooms left. Everybody say eight rooms. We got eight rooms left and we want you to go to Jamaica with us, June, 2023, the 8th through the 12th. Mm -hmm. The Love Without Limits International Marriage Retreat is gonna be at Couples Towers and Ultra Reels. It's going to be amazing. All you got to do to lock in your room is it's up there on the screen. You can pay $100 deposit to hold your room and then call the resort to pick your room type and to and to set up your payments for your hotel room. There's some beautiful rooms out on the ocean. Oh, I can see it right now, Rhonda. I can see the ocean. I see the, the, the little private island where you can sunbathe. I smell the, uh, the, the oxtails. Oh, my gosh. 
I, I, I stop. I want to be right there. I want to be right there. Stop, stop, we stop, want stop, you to be right there. Stop. Next year, we celebrate 30 years of marriage and we're taking 30 couples. And already we've got so many couples who already reserved their rooms and we got eight left. We want you to get that, get one of those rooms. So please go tonight to drstacylspencer.com and click the international tab. retreat tab mm -hmm. and go on and reserve your room and come and celebrate with us next year and take your love to the next level. There's going to be so much uh, erotic empowerment. Uh, there's going to be so much romance. We're going to have excursions, beach activities, dancing every night, making love, uh, overlooking the ocean, out on the balcony. Oh, I wish I was there right now. So we want you to come and be with us. Listen, we appreciate you guys. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share it with somebody else. Um, you can go to Spotify, Apple, um, Google, all the all the podcast platforms we're on. And please, if you have not subscribed to this YouTube channel, Dr. Stacey L. Spencer's YouTube channel, and please like and comment and share that as well. Well, listen, we enjoyed being with you all tonight and can't wait to be with you next week. And until then, uh, y'all go love on each other. Listen, here's, here's some homework for you. Here's two homework assignments. You got to sit with your spouse. You got to ask them two questions. Number one, how do you want me to touch you for three minutes? How do you want me to touch you for three minutes? And then the second question is, how do you want to touch me for three minutes? And I want you to go and let your fingers do the walking and talking. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all later. Y'all go and be blessed. We'll talk to you real soon.